1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Our other host, TJ Inman, will be along shortly. Today we are previewing Indiana's home opener against the Ball State Cardinals. Uh, so uh, lots of uh, good stuff coming up. Indiana's 1-0. and Ball State is 1-0 and after defeating uh, Georgia State in their opener on Friday night uh, down in the Georgia Dome. Uh, we'll go over players to watch, matchups to watch, keys to victory, and um, maybe a surprise player to watch as well. Um, So we'll uh, start with that. And joining us right now is uh, TJ Inman. TJ, how are you?
2: I am doing wonderful. Uh, You know, it was a tremendous opening weekend of college football. Had a ton of fun watching uh, not only the Big Ten teams, but, uh, you know, the other really marquee matchups. Just super Good advertisement for the sport of college football, really uh, exciting games really from Thursday to, to Monday. So it was, uh, it was a really good opening weekend, hoping for more of the same in week two.
1: Yeah, it was. I, I enjoyed it. It was uh, one of the rare Saturdays that I got to to watch football, um, you know, watch everybody else play football as, as IU played yeah. on Thursday. Uh, but TJ, it's a big game coming up for IU this week. Uh, Ball State comes in with a 1-0 and record with a new coach coming off a 3-9 and season. Uh, but they have won three in a row in this series, and they've won the last two uh, at Memorial Stadium, uh, one back in 2008 and one in 2012. Now, both programs uh, lo- look vastly different um, from when they last played. Uh, Ball State has a new coach, Mike New, uh, who's taking over for Pete Lembo who uh, left to take an assistance job at Maryland uh, after seeing writing on the wall after a 3-9 and nine season. Uh, but, you know, Ball State is not going to be scared coming into a Big Ten venue and uh, and trying to get the win. They've done it before as a program, um, and, and they have all the momentum in this series, and they, they have the right to carry themselves with a little bit of swagger uh, coming into this one.
2: Yeah, any time you you beat a Big Ten opponent, especially an in-state foe, three times in a row, um, you know, you're, you're feeling like it's possible to do it a fourth. I mean, why wouldn't you feel that way if you're a Ball State player when you can look back at history that while things are, you know, to our eyes, much different than they were in 08, 11, and 12, I mean, really, that's not that long ago. So it's not like they have to go back to the 50s to to see success against Indiana. Um, so I'm sure that they are, you know, their coaches are probably, you know, kind of walking a fine line between, you know, reminding the players that, look, program has done this, and also kind of, you know, reminding them, yeah, this program has done it, but this particular team hasn't. So don't go in there feeling like you don't have to earn, you know, earn the fourth in a row. Uh, for Indiana, I imagine that the coaches don't really have to do too much reminding of players that, you know, you guys, this program. Although none of the players involved in this Saturday's matchup uh, will have dealt with it, but um, you know, they're not going to have to be reminded that Indiana's lost three in a row to them. And they're not going to be reminded about the importance, just in strictly speaking of this season, the importance of getting this victory going to two and the last thing you want to do is ruin that week one performance by losing a ball state and going to your bye week where you have to sit around miserable for fourteen days before you can get out there and play somebody else uh that would make for a really really bad week of uh week of practices and um i and then consequences-wise, you know, it would put a large dent in the bull hopes. Uh, you know, when you have performances like Michigan and Ohio State did in week one, you're, you're feeling a little bit uh, less sure of any upset chances in those matchups. Um, so this is always a game that when we looked at the schedule for, for 2016 and thought out, okay, how can Indiana get to six? You know, what's that map look like? And I think that map in pretty much everyone's minds included a W against Ball State. While it certainly won't be easy, uh, you know, there are some some reasons to expect Indiana to, to get the win and for things to be different than they have been the last three times they've met. Yeah,
1: and going into this game, uh, you know, what makes you a little bit nervous, and people pointed it out, uh, is how Ball State played last year against um, a Big Ten foe at Northwestern. They nearly knocked them off. Northwestern went on to win ten games, uh, but you know there there are a lot of players back from that last year's team. Starting with uh, quarterback Riley Neal, uh, who's an in-state kid. He's from Yorktown, Indiana, up by Muncie, um, and you know he ha- he put up some good numbers last year. I think he was in you know a top three in in true freshman in passing yards, but you know, after watching the game on Friday, he, he was not that impressive. He completed, you know, 15 to 29 passes. He threw three interceptions um, and only threw for 130 yards. Um, and so I don't know if that was going against the Georgia state team, you know, whose defense got him out of rhythm early. They threw an early pick six and, and really, you know, maybe shaking his confidence uh, a little bit after that, but, you know, 15 to 29, three picks and 130 yards has, you know, seems like stats that a true freshman and not a sophomore with uh, a lot of game experience under their belts would, uh, uh, would do. What are what are your thoughts about Riley Neal? Yeah. I mean,
2: 2,300, well, a little bit less than 2,300 yards a season ago uh, completion percentage was about 58%. He was just below 58%. Um, you know, I, I would describe what he did last year as, as a, a solid uh, solid performance and an encouraging one from a true freshman, one that you would expect they'll be built on and, and really the start of a good four-year career. Um, I think the, the biggest advantage he had last year was he had two really good receivers. Uh, one of those returned, and we'll talk about him a little bit later, but uh, his top target did leave, and it, it looked like he missed him a little bit. Jonathan Williams... Uh, was that top target a year ago? And I, I think that uh, it looked like he was a little bit unsure of that. Maybe, you know, maybe a new offensive system um, under the new head coach. I I think that probably the biggest the biggest issue for him that I saw when I looked at uh, looked at some you know game highlights and a couple I watched I watched that Ball State Northwestern game. I think the biggest issue that he has. There's not a ton of arm strength. Uh, I don't think that he has the top-level arm strength that you would expect from a, you know, a, a high-end starter. I think he can be very solid. But if Ball State's going to beat Indiana, he has to be much better than he was last week. There's no doubt about that. And that, that's not just cutting down on turnovers. He needs to improve the completion percentage as well. 51% is not going to get it done. Against Indiana, unless he's getting a lot of big plays, and that's something they had none of in the passing game. I think that their top uh, top passing play yardage-wise was 21. Um, yes, that was the longest. So 21. yeah, so they had much like Indiana. They did not really have any explosive plays in the passing game. They had much fewer than Indiana did. Even um, they got a couple of explosive plays in the running game, but. Uh, the passing game, if, if he's struggling like he was uh, last Friday, I would expect to see a loaded box uh, against him. And, and I, I think it's really going to be key for Indiana to get pressure on him, much like they did Alex Magoo. And I, I feel good that if they get pressure, I think Bradley Neal's going to make some mistakes and, uh, and struggle to get that completion percentage up just like any quarterback that's decent, if he's got a clean pocket, he's probably going to have a pretty nice day. What separates the good from the the bad or even the good from the great is what can you do when the pocket's a little bit dirty um, and you're under pressure? You know, what do your stats say at that point? And I think that Indiana could have a, a pretty good time against Riley Neal if they can get pressure on him. So, We'll see how the defensive line, with Ralph, uh, Ralph Green back in the mix, we'll see if they can replicate the success they had in week one.
1: Yeah, and that, that'll that be huge. You saw, you know, Indiana had a, had a lot of takeaways, uh, three takeaways in game one. Yeah. But you saw some of those receivers get open deep, um, you know, um, for FIU. And that's where the pressure on, on defense kind of got Magoo out of out of sorts a little bit and that's something that IU needs to clean up is they need to run with these receivers um and, and make sure that they don't get beat as much I mean they there was a pass where it looked like it, it could have been a short touchdown or at least a, a nice long play for FIU and uh the guy dropped it on the sideline and you know that that kind of changed the game a little bit in terms of momentum uh FIU I believe was they were either up one or or down two and and getting a touchdown there or a nice drive there uh, really may have uh you know put that nail in the coffin for IU but uh in terms going back to this game uh you know they ball stage struggled throwing the ball but ran the ball pretty well uh they ran for 325 yards I believe all of their running backs were over 5 yards a carry um led by uh James Gilbert uh who went for 160 on 29 carries, scored three touchdowns. Uh, Darian Green was great as well, uh, 13 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. And then Riley Neal had a 46-yard run uh, as well. And then uh, you know the, their bigger back, um, Teddy Williamson, uh, who's more of a fullback, uh, averaged seven yards per carry and a touchdown as well. So that's something that IU shut down well against FIU. Um, as they're running game, holding them to under 70 yards. And if you take away that, that 23 yard run at the, at the beginning of the game, which was a missed assignment, uh, by Marcelino ball, you know, they, they really shut them down the rest of the way. So, uh, to me, shutting down that, that running game, getting, you know, getting in, in Riley Neal's face and, and taking away that their what they do well, um, is key.
2: Yeah, the running game for Ball State was pretty impressive, especially in the second half against Georgia State. Uh, Tom Allen made a point to, to bring it up that Ball State, and then as did Mike New in his press conference as well this week, uh, they both said that you know Ball State's offensive line just kind of physically took over that game in the second half. And uh, that's when Ball State, you know, with the passing game struggling a little bit, Uh, they just decided to go ahead and keep pounding it because, as Mike said, you'd be crazy to go away from it when it was working. And he's right. So they did the logical thing. They kept running, and it kept working, and Georgia State was powerless to stop it. Uh, Ball State's offensive line just kept churning it out. So I I do not think they'll have that same success against Indiana. Um, Georgia State's defensive line was, to my eye, pretty undersized. I I don't think that they – we're anywhere close to what Ball State's going to see against Indiana, question mark. But, uh you know, if Ball State does see a little success in the running game, you know, are they going to be bolstered by the confidence they gained last week? Yeah, I'm sure they will. And then what does Indiana do to respond if Ball State sees a little bit of early success in the running game? You know, how does IU's defensive line, which was very good last week, you know, surprisingly so, Uh, how do they respond to it? So I'm looking forward to seeing, number one, uh, what the defensive tackle tandem of Nate Hoff and Ralph Green, when they're on the field together, what do they look like? I thought Hoff played a pretty nice game last week. I thought he was fairly disruptive, uh, didn't have a lot of tackles, but his job in that defensive tackle position is really just be disruptive, take up blockers, and get into that backfield and blow plays up and then have others get the tackles as they fly to the ball. Uh, And I thought he did a pretty good job of that last week. Um, So we'll see if he can do that again, and then what can Ralph Green add to it? And then the guys that, uh, you know, got into the action last week that maybe you didn't expect, uh, Patrick Doherty, I thought, played a very nice game. Um, And then pass rush-wise, you know, we weren't expecting a ton out of Omari Stringer, but he had a really good game, and I, I went back and uh, watched it a second time, and he stood out even more the second time, very quick off the snap, uh, did a good job getting by his initial blocker and, and forcing the quarterback to to move out of the pocket. So I, it was an impressive and encouraging debut from a lot of members of IU's defensive line, I think six guys of the 11 that played – we're making their collegiate debut along that uh that defensive line. So, you know, we'll see if there's improvement there or uh or if they you know regress a little bit. We'll see. That's gonna be an interesting thing to watch. As far as Ball State's running backs go, yeah, they they're they're a good group. Um I had kind of thought coming into the season that uh James Gilbert was going to be the second back and that they would have um uh, what's his name? Uh, Darian Green. Sorry, they would have Darian Green as the primary back. He was listed in uh, F on Sports as a third-team All-MAC running back, preseason. But uh, Green was was behind Gilbert in the rotation. Green only had 13 rushes. Gilbert had in the high 20s. So uh, we'll see if that's their game plan again, or if they go with Green. I think Green's a little bit uh, shiftier. Gilbert certainly looked the part of a power back. So Indiana's going to have to make sure they wrap him up. Um, He doesn't look like he's going to go down easily or with just one tackler. So, you know, being aggressive, flying to the ball, is going to be important for the defense. Uh, You know, as we deal with the receivers, uh, Kevin Maben, he was their secondary target last year. He's their main receiving threat this year. He had eight catches for 69 yards in the opener. I I think Rashard Fant, um, it's going to be the guy mainly guarding or covering him, I you know in the secondary. I thought that in the opener it was Spence with a pretty good day, not not amazing but a pretty good day. And then I thought Marcelino Ball was really good, very active. You now who do you think was kind of the the third guy after those top two in the secondary that stood out to you? Was it was it A'shaan Riggins? Was it uh, Khalil Bryant Ben Bach? You know who who kind of stood out to you besides? Uh, besides the top two, or maybe you don't agree with the top two, but I thought it was Phantom Ball, and then after that, who do you think, and what do you expect to see? You know, we don't get to see practice, so who knows, but what are you kind of expecting to see as as the second corner spot as we continue to move on in the season here? What do you think will happen on Saturday as far as secondary corner goes? And then do you expect to see more of anybody, less of anybody, based on what happened in the opener?
1: Um, so that's a good question, TJ. Uh, you know, fan, obviously, you know, he had the pick six and, and yep. broke up a couple of passes. I thought Tony fields played really well. Um, at yep. one of those safety positions, he saved a touchdown on that first, um, first FIU drive, making a, just an unbelievable play. It looked like Johnny Smith, who's going to be an NFL player at tight end. I uh, had the catch. He came in, raked the ball out, nearly got the interception um and save you know save the touchdown, force them to kick a field goal. So I think Tony Shields is gonna see um uh see the, the field a little bit more um especially if Dutra and um if Chase Dutra and Jamie Thompson aren't aren't healthy. Um and then you'll also have uh you know back there is 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 Jonathan Crawford. He played a, a solid game, you know, nothing, he didn't stand out um, in terms of like making plays like he did last year, but we've come to take him for granted a little bit. He's out there a lot. He's making plays. He he was, I think he might have led the team in tackles. I don't have the, the stats right in front of me. But he did.
2: him yeah, and, nine, I and- think
1: led the team in tackles, just a, a very solid safety out there. Um, Tony Fields, and I thought Ben Bach played pretty well as well. And I think you're going to see more of Bach at corner, uh, probably less of, of Tyler Green. Um, and then you'll see A'shaan, uh Riggins back there and, and Khalil Bryant uh, mix in too. Now, what, what stood out to me after the game at FIU was uh, Coach Wilson talking about having Marcus Oliver kind of on a on a pitch count in terms of plays um, and whether or not that was just due to the heat and humidity down there, or um, if it was something that they're trying to save him for later, IU will play 10 power five conference games in a row yeah. after, um, after their open week. So is it saving, you know, saving some bullets in the chamber there, or was it something like they didn't want to go, um, you know, have him play, 50-60 plays uh, in that heat and humidity, um, and so we'll we'll see what their philosophy is there. But this defense, it, it was fun to watch last week, um, and I would keep an eye on in the secondary, uh, you know, the two freshmen and then um, at Tony Fields as well. Um, but yeah. uh, moving on, uh, TJ, I do one last FIU point. Uh, watching that game again, it I think. From an IU offensive standpoint, they're going to be better this week. Just they could not get into a rhythm. And and watching the game again, every time they got a 12-yard run or an 11-yard pass and went for the first down and tried to go hurry up, you saw an FIU player cramping on on, on the ground. So I I don't think Ball State's going to resort to that. Um, It's not going to be as hot and humid um, as it is. I think the forecast calls for high 70s, maybe a chance of showers. Um, so it, it's not going to be, uh, that kind of heat and humidity where, you know, players are going down, uh um, defense alignment are going down like they did, uh, against FIU. And, and, and a credit to, um, to, uh, to, uh, the strength, IU strength coach, Keith uh, Caton for getting his guys ready, uh, the nutritional team as well. Uh, cause IU, you know, they didn't, you know, maybe saw one guy cramping, but the other injuries, you know, was Jordan Fuchs and Marcus Oliver looked like he got a cut on his hand or something. Um, but other than that, they looked like they were better prepared to play in South Florida mm-hmm. than than FIU. So, big credit uh, to the strength and conditioning staff for IU. But I, I think in terms of this game, the offense is going to be much better. Uh, you're going to have uh, Richard Lego, while, while it's not, you know, it, it's his home opener. It's, he's already got a game under his belt. He'll be, you know, pumped up to go, but I think maybe after that first drive, he'll settle down better, make better plays, and, and you'd think if if Simi Cobbs is back, um, playing that, putting him and Westbrook on the field at the same time really gives them uh, some length and size at receiver and, and gives them a little bit more depth there as well in terms of, of putting another guy that – that uh, Rich could throw the ball to as Westbrook became his go-to guy in that game as well. Um, And then you have to, you have to believe that Ricky Jones and Mitchell Page will be involved more in the offense as well.
2: Uh, It was a very interesting, I think the rhythm thing that you brought up, I think that that was a huge part of kind of those drives stalling out Um. I would certainly like to see more Mitchell Page, but, you know, I give credit to Legault. He was taking what the defense was giving him, and really that was Nick Westbrook on the sideline That is what they were giving him. They were giving a pretty big cushion to Westbrook on the outside, and uh, he was running a lot of those. And, you know, it's a route that we saw Simi Cobb's run a lot. It really was a like-for-like replacement. Uh, when Westbrook stepped in there, they look alike. He's maybe not quite as tall, but um, he's also younger, so you know he will develop a little bit more. And um, he looked ready for a, a big role in the offense. Westbrook did, you know, running that 10 to 12 yard out route on the sideline that they they hit on pretty much every time except for one, which Leggo just you know threw it too far to the outside. Which you'd rather have it there than on the inside, so that was a good route for them. I expect to see, you know, another good day for Westbrook. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Cobbs is playing, what they do with, if the two of them are on the field together, or if they go, you know, Westbrook, just, uh, spelling Cobbs. I think you'll see them on the field some together and that'll be exciting. I, I think you'll see, uh, I, I kind of think you'll see Danny friend continue to be a bigger part of the offense as the season goes on. Uh, Kevin Wilson, or I think it was Wilson, alluded to the fact that uh, friend's injury last season, you know, impacted his play uh, a little bit more than anybody realized, um, which which to me, reading between the lines would say, you know, expect big things from this guy as long as he's healthy. And uh, yeah, I think and... you'll continue to see him be a pretty big part of the attack. And I, I don't think that Ball State, Looking at their defense against Georgia State, Georgia State does not have a guy like Danny Friend, and I don't think that Ball State has the size uh, in the the size in the linebacker uh, position to deal with Danny Friend, and they certainly don't have it in the secondary. So I, I think Danny Friend could be in line for a pretty big game, um, and then you know running the ball, uh, Georgia State's running game. Was, was not very good. I thought their offensive line was really poor, uh, and I I fully expect Indiana to, to give Ball State's run defense a much bigger challenge than they saw in week one. It's not even going to resemble what Georgia State threw at them or ran at them, I should say. I, they mentioned uh, during this, this press conference this week that Divine Redding um, you know, had a had a bit of a fumble issue. He's had it in practice, and he dropped it once in the game. Uh, lost the he fumble. I thought twice. You... I think he yeah, fumbled he did, twice yeah. in the game.
1: One IU recovered and one, um, I mean, it looked like he might have been down, but it was that close, and you don't want to put the replay official right. in that, that position. He also had Cole right. Guest fumbling um, and Wes Martin making a, a, a nice catch to, to cover up there, yeah. so – You know, maybe the humidity had to do something with the slick ball, but that's something that was kind of surprising at the press conference on Monday was him calling out Redding for his fumbles. We saw it a couple years ago um, at Michigan when Tevin fumbled on the two out of the three first drives or so, and, and he was benched. Uh, So they're not afraid to bench their best players. Um, And especially with the depth they have behind Redding, um, and the depth that they have on the offensive line. And, and as you were saying with Danny Friend, Danny Friend's 270 pounds. It's like having a six lineman out there. Um, and then add in Brandon Knight at the other tight end. I mean, you're almost yep. at seven seven linemen, offensive linemen out there, paving the way. And, you know, Danny Friend, to put into perspective, their um, ball state's defensive tackles at 299. And their their defensive ends are two forty seven, um, and and two uh, two twenty five. So I use running out there with a, a tight end who's two seventy, can run the field, can catch the ball, um, and he's a ferocious blocker. Uh, we we saw it on on Thursday night. He was, they were playing to the whistle, and you just see him driving FIU guys ten fifteen yards down the field and, and planting yeah. them in the ground. So. You know, IU should have the advantage on the offensive line. They're one of the better offensive lines in the Big Ten. Um, and I think they should be able to run the ball at will um, and then pick apart, you know, the secondary if they start loading the box um, with seven, eight, nine guys um, playing press coverage. Now uh, now uh, Lego has, has a chance to shoot it downfield if he could get a few hit some of those big plays, which they didn't against FIU. Uh, IU will have a chance to have, uh, you know, put up some serious points, put some distance between them and the Cardinals, and, uh, you know, hopefully make this game a, a comfortable win. Uh, TJ, let's move on to the key to victory a little bit. Uh, we'll go over one or two keys each. Uh, my first key uh, to, to IU winning is... Uh, it is getting points on, on the opponent's side of the field. I think IU went into opponent's territory uh, I believe 12 times against FIU, um, and then especially in, inside the red zone, inside the 10, uh, they they just looked like they bogged down, settled for field goals, um, and then just, you know, one field goal attempt was missed by Griffin Oaks, the other one was dropped by the holder, Mitchell Page, and um, and we'll see, you know, they have to get points when they can. If if you're putting up 486 yards of offense, you've got to be putting up, you know, close to closer to 40 points on offense. Um, now, is the defense going to score 16 again? Probably not. That that was something that probably hasn't happened in IU football history. The two pick sixes hasn't happened since 1966. So add in a safety there, and, and it probably hasn't happened. Um, but, you know, turning those drives, long drives, into seven and three points instead of, you know, a missed field goal here, you know, a, a punt from Joseph Gideon, um, stuff like that, turning those opportunities into more points um, is very, very important.
2: Yep. the that That's one of the things that I have on uh, my primer, which is coming out later this week, as a, a key point. It's going to be, and we talked about it coming into this game, and really throughout the off season, was finishing drives. And in in the first game of the season, we saw it as a you know a point of I wouldn't say a a major negative because of those final two drives that did end in touchdowns when they got into the scoring zone, which you know I, I consider a scoring opportunity getting inside the forty of the opponents uh, having a first down inside of the opponent's 40 is what is kind of known as a scoring opportunity. Uh, Indiana was in there eight times. The first six times they got three points total. So that's really bad. I mean, you're, you're looking at an opportunity to have – you're not going to score a touchdown all six times there probably, but, you know, that's an opportunity for 42 points. Uh, Indiana got three points out of So a max of 42, they got three That's terrible But in the final two drives They were able to get 14 out of 14 uh, With those two touchdowns And I, you know, maybe they figured out Something there uh, The the wheel route to Danny Friend was a gorgeous Call and wonderfully executed as well uh, The read options On two occasions there In the, the, the fourth quarter where Rich Lago kept it, once for a Touchdown, the other a solid gain so, it, it, you know, they they got into – in a game that really lacked rhythm, they did have a little bit of rhythm on those two drives, and it, they were able to, to execute for touchdowns. But, yeah, finishing drives is going to be critically important for Indiana. And uh, something I'm keeping an eye on, I don't know if it's a key to the game because, you know, your, your offensive balance and your play calling is going to be dictated by what's working and what's not working. But it was really interesting – uh, in week one, both teams, Indiana and Ball State, ran the ball 52 times. Ball State threw 29 passes, IU threw 28. So, uh, you know, both teams, almost 2-1 to one run the pass, and I think for both teams, it was just a matter of, you know, their running game's working, why go away from it? Uh, we'll see if, if they have to adjust that based on, you know, if the defenses are doing a better job stopping it, but I do think you'll see a little bit more pass than you did in week one from Indiana here in week two. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but do you expect to see more than 28 pass attempts this week?
1: I would. It depends on, on how, what the defense gives you. Uh, you usually go to the line with a pass and a run play and gives the quarterback a a choice on what to run. And, and it seems like uh, Legault has um, – Lego, sorry. Um, Lego has uh, has enough uh, trust in the offense to be able to make that call, um, or at least have some input on it. I would think that they they would probably throw the ball a little bit more to start. It's not going to be as windy or as as humid and and wet. Uh, you know, hopefully the the storms in the forecast stay into the morning and the, and the ball's not uh wet but um you know if they have to they'll they'll run the ball and um yeah. but it, it's something they need to get the passing game going they'll have a week off in between so if they have to work on something you want to work on in the game uh i i would probably think somewhere between 35 throws maybe 40 yeah. um max mm-hmm. but definitely more than 28 uh, and then you'll you'll you know hopefully get out to a lead, get out to a big lead and and start grinding that clock down with with shorter throws and and uh, leaning on that offensive line and and running game to close it out
2: yep i I would agree with that. I was thinking somewhere between thirty and thirty five would be uh, about what you'd expect if things go according to plan, like like we both said. You know, it depends on what the defense has given you. It depends on what's working. If Indiana goes out and, uh, you know, they're running the ball for five, six yards plus series and you march down and score a couple of touchdowns, then there's really no reason to put the ball in the air 35 times. But if, you know, if the run game is being given a little bit of resistance and Ball State's doing a decent job against it uh, or, or loading up the box to try and do a decent job against it, then, yeah, it, it would make sense to go over the top and, uh, or just, you know, hit some medium routes or whatever, but it, we'll see how the game flows. I just thought it was pretty interesting. Both teams ended up with nearly identical run pass numbers from week one. Uh, another point for me, and we won't spend much time on it because we've already talked about it, but another point for me is just going to be uh, for the defense to build on success of week one. Uh, we've seen Indiana's defense have good games before. Now, granted, like you said, they very, very rarely, if ever, scored 16 points from a defense. Uh, and they very rarely hold teams to only 13 points. But they've, we've seen them have good games just in the singular, you know, one week, one off time. They've had good games in the Kevin Wilson era. Very rare that they put good games back to back. So can they do that? Can they turn? one week of good performance into two weeks and really start to make it become a trend to where there's true belief from the fan base. And I think there is belief from the players. I think that's already there. And I think we saw it last week and we've heard it from the players. There's true belief there, but from the fan base, will there start to be that true belief developed that, Hey, you know, we might not have a terrible defense this year. We might have a defense that's adequate and it can help the offense when it's not clicking entirely. Um, We can win some of these big games, um, you know, in non-shootout fashion. So can they build on that success and turn that one week into two weeks, heading into the bye week, and really feel good about yourself uh, with those 14 days off? I think that that's that's one of the, the three, kind of the three keys for that are going to be can you keep forcing those takeaways, can you continue to quarterback, and can you continue to do a really nice job against the run? And that's, you know, that covers all levels of defense. That covers the line. That covers the linebackers, the secondary. Everybody has to, to continue to do that and work in conjunction to have a successful defense. And uh, I'm I'm very anxious to see what they do against a ball state attack that really is, is fairly similar uh, to what you'd see from a, a pro-style attack. You know, it's not a spread offense. They're not going to. They're not going to come and put the ball in the air 55 times. I would think that they're going to attempt to rely on the running game, plus throw it 30 to 35 times. Uh, but if they fall behind, if Indiana can can get a lead on them, I think you could see you know, Ball State be forced to throw it more than they want to. Then you can pin your ears back, get aggressive on defense, get after the quarterback, force them into some mistakes, and then, then you're off. I like think that's the deal for Indiana, just to build that lead and then force ball state to, to play into your, into your hands. But obviously the, the way the game flow is going will dictate all that. But I, I just hope to see a second good performance from the defense so that we're not thinking that week one is a fluke. And the, the coaches pointed out, you know, yes, it was improved on defense, but, you know, look at the stats. We're still 10th in the Big Ten in defense after one week. You know, that's obviously very skewed based on your opponent, but um, it'll be interesting to see if the rhetoric changes a little bit, if end is able to have another really good week.
1: Yeah, and that's that's something that, you know, putting back-to-back games on uh, that IU really had struggled uh, under Wilson. Yeah. Outside of last year's 4-0 um, non-conference start, and the end of last year, you know, you'd think that they – I mean, the perfect example is 2014 when they would, you know, they, 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 played okay, not great against Indiana state and won, lost against balls or Bowling green at, at their place, uh, and then came back and, and beat a ranked Missouri team on the road and then came home and laid an egg against uh, Maryland. And he could go back to 2013, you know, that they, they win, they lose to Navy, win again, lose to Missouri. Um, and it's just, you know, now if you could put two, two win two good wins in a row together, now you're going to start building something. You have momentum to take into the open week, get ready for, for wake forest and, and roll into big 10 season uh, with some momentum with um, the fan base, believing that, you know, okay, this is what we're about now. We could, you know, it's going to take a long time to to regain the trust of the fan base after so many years of, you know, really getting punched in the gut. But it, it would be a good start to to put together back to back, you know, good performances on defense, uh, you know, and and show improved performance on offense. Um, before we uh, move on, uh, or we're we're going to move on, TJ. Uh, to w- our matchup to watch Alex Compton had our matchup to watch uh today um, we posted it earlier today it was Kayvon Mabun uh, against uh Richard Fant Mabon uh Mabon is a 62 receiver uh Ball State's go-to guy um, he is an all-MAC uh caliber player he had 60 I believe 68 yards against uh Georgia State and it uh, could be trouble for IU if, if Ball State could get that passing game going to. He's a bigger receiver, could give Fant some trouble. Uh, but Richard Fant had, you know, he continued his success from late last year uh, when, you know, he, he was, you know, in the tops, uh, one of the top pass breaking up guys. Now he has a pick six under his belt. He broke up a couple more passes last week. Um, can Richard Fant handle maybe um, on his own?
2: Yes, yeah, uh, that's a good matchup to watch. There's no doubt about that. You know, uh, he wasn't in single coverage all game against Thomas Owens. I found Indiana did a really good job scheming Owens out of the game, uh, but Fant did play a big part in it, and uh, Owens just one catch and eight yards after really doing a, a tremendous job against Indiana in 2015, so That was a good start to the season for fans, and uh, Maven, he's really the the lone proven big play threat that they have in the passing game. So you feel pretty good about your chances against their passing game if you can, you know, limit what Maven does against you. I'm sure he'll get his targets, but if you can limit the big plays that he brings in, you feel pretty good about locking up the Ball State passing game and holding it to, you know, something like under 200 or under 250 if if maven doesn't have a big day
1: yeah and uh hopefully that's that's the case but you know that's a matchup to keep an eye on uh ball state does have the size advantage um but uh richard fan is probably you know he's the best corner iu has and this is the guy you want shutting down their best receiver and it'll be a good test and if he could you know, shut him down, Limited him to, to a couple catches, you know, under, you know, 50 yards. IU should be in good shape. Um, so, you know, another uh, another thing to watch is special teams. How is Griffin Oaks going to um, – how is Griffin Oaks and, and that field goal team going to bounce back after a disappointing opener? Uh, you know, a missed, short missed field goal, uh, a botched snap and, and hold. Uh, by Mitchell Page, can they clean that up and and really put some confidence? Uh, at least, you know, my confidence at Griffin Oaks has been shaken. Uh, he wasn't great against Duke. He wasn't great against Purdue last year to end the year. Um, but, you know, we've seen him hit 11 field goals in a row. We've seen him win Big Ten Kaker of the Year. Can he now, you know, get back on the horse after having a, a not-so-great game and, and put together a, a solid uh, a solid performance.
2: I agree with you. It'd be good to see uh, just a clean performance. Uh, you don't need, you know, you're hoping you don't have to rely on him for a bunch of kicks, but there's, you know, more extra points than field goals. But uh, it'd be good to see a clean performance from that entire unit for sure.
1: Yep. All right. uh, Prediction time, TJ, Uh, and then we'll get out of here. What is your uh, prediction for this week's game?
2: I'm going to go with uh, Indiana 38 and Ball State 20. So 38 Uh, to 20, I feel like Indiana is going to have a really good day offensively running the ball. Um, I think you'll see Ball State, like I said, 20 points somewhere in the neighborhood of like 300 to 350 yards for the Cardinals. Um, I don't think that this one is going to feel uh, in danger in the fourth quarter as the FIU game did start of the fourth quarter in Miami. I think that you'll have Indiana, not a blowout by any means, but in control in the second half.
1: All right. I think I'm going to go uh, with 45-21. Uh, I think Indiana has – you know, it's just – they have more talent. Um, They're going to be comfortable after game one. Uh, They should be able to get into a better better rhythm offensively um, with uh, Lego being his second game uh, without the dives from the opponents, hopefully, Um, and and just, you know, a a little bit sharper – in routes running, they'll have Simi Cobbs back. Um, probably it was a one game suspension. So I expect him to be back. Um, but you know, you, you have a, a great offensive line against the, a pretty small defensive line. And, and then you have the defenses is, is, uh, is flying high right now and has, should have all the confidence in the world. And I, I expect that to continue. Um, but you know, Ball State will 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 score points. They'll, they'll move the ball a little bit, uh, but I think the the IU offense is is too much for Ball State to overcome. I, I'm going to go
2: 45-21. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it for sure. It's you know, coaches will often tell you, uh, which is just another coach cliche, but that uh, you know, a lot of improvement, maybe the most improvement occurs between week one and week two. Uh, I don't think that that's often the case, but I do expect. Um, quite a bit of improvement, you know, quite a bit of things just being cleaned up after going through it once, uh, going through actual live game once and Indiana played a lot of guys in their debut, So those guys will be, they'll know what to expect uh, this time around. And home opener. uh, I don't, I don't really care what the score is. I, you know, I just want Indiana to, to beat the Cardinals. I am, I am really, really tired of, uh, losing to Ball State. Uh, I was a student there for a couple of years. Nice school, nice campus, uh, you know, pretty good mid-major football program with a, a decent tradition, but I, there's no reason to lose to Chirpy for a fourth straight time. There's no reason to lose to them three times. So, you know, enough's enough. I, I'm really hoping Indiana comes out strong and uh, takes care of this one or at least when have to sweat it out.
1: Yeah. It's kind of a statement game for Indiana. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's a rivalry game because ball state has made it a competitive rivalry game and credit to them for that. Um, It's an in-state game. They look at IU, uh, you know, as as seeing them as, as little brother and they're going to be fired up. Their fans are going to be fired up and, you know, IU's got to, is not going to take them lightly after talking to players on Monday. They, they know that they've lost the last three in the series, but they know that that wasn't this team and it wasn't, and it's not going to be this year. So, you know, I, I expect IU to come out fired up, take nothing for granted, not take an opponent lightly, come out and, and play well and, and show that this offense hasn't taken a step back. and and really put the pedal to the metal. Um, uh, Hopefully the weather cooperates uh, with us and and fans come out. It's a 4 o'clock game. Again, it used to be, it it was originally scheduled for noon. It was moved to 4 o'clock. If you're watching on TV, it'll be on ESPN News. Uh, So check your local listings. Um, And then come back uh, to HoosierHuddle.com for all our coverage throughout the week. Uh, Thanks, TJ, for joining us today. We should be back. Uh, either Sunday or Monday, uh, for our postgame show.
2: Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Hopefully we are discussing another win. Those are always our best shows.
1: Yes. Uh, well, thank you for joining us today on the Hoosier Huddle uh, podcast, previewing the Ball State-Indiana uh, game on Saturday at 4 o'clock. Um, come back to HoosierHuddle.com often. Follow us at Hoosier underscore Huddle on Twitter. Uh, like us on Facebook. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
2: Hi, checking in for
0: or the perfect table.
2: Hey, where are you?